Now, I want to ask you, how many of you have heard of Blessed Church Kuching? Raise your hands. Quite a number of you. Wow, serious, huh? Almost about 30-40% of you. It is a very vibrant, growing church and, 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 and it's because I've grown to really, really honour and respect Pastor G.T. Lim. He, he was a lawyer before in 1995, uh, having graduated from, the, from, from New Zealand. But he gave it up to become the pastor of Blessed Church in 1995. And over these years now, the church has really grown, really grown. And those of us who, who were there, were at, in October when they hosted the 1,000 pastors conference was held in that church. They were so generous and the people were so good, you know. The, I've, uh, I've, I've seen a lot of churches like that, some churches like that. But, you know, the people served without complaining. There was such an awesome, awesome church. So when I found out that he was coming to KL uh, this weekend, I said, come, come and speak to my KL. You'll be blessed. Because not only is he a wonderful leader, a spiritual man, but he's also a wonderful singer. He has uh, composed well over 600 songs. Can you imagine? Over 600 songs to date. And wow, this is amazing. It's amazing. And uh, he has released 26, 23 albums and was awarded the most impactful male artist in the Mandarin category and Lifetime Achievement Award in 2011 by the Malaysian Gospel Music Association. So I think he's going to sing to us even this evening as well as speak. So will you put your hands together and welcome Pastor G.T. Lim from Kuching, Sarawak. Whoa! Come on church, you do better than that. Let's give him a very warm SIPKL welcome. Whoa! Thank you, Pastor Chu. I was wondering who he was introducing. <laughs> yeah, I, I wanted to meet that person too. <laughs> well, when people heard that I'm coming here, SIBKL, to speak, they were like, wow, SIBKL, Pastor Chu, he would really let you take the pulpit? I said, yeah, why? Is there something wrong? They said, it's a big deal. Then I started thinking, what am I doing? What have I done to myself? I was under so much pressure, so the introduction just now didn't help. <laughs> and so, anyway, I thought I have to do something Pastor Chu cannot do. <laughs> I, I cannot preach because he's the most famous preacher in Malaysia. So I cannot outdo him, so I've got to do something he cannot do. That is to sing my own songs. Not just any song, my songs, you know? Yeah. And also to tell my own testimonies that he cannot do. But let us pray first. Hallelujah. Father God, we thank you so much for this wonderful church. And Lord, we can just sense your love, your presence, the excitement and joy in the air here. Because you are here. Father, we need more churches like this. Not just in Malaysia, all over the world. That people are excited over you. Let your name be glorified, Lord. I pray for your blood, Jesus, to cover myself and everyone here. Fill me and everyone here with your Holy Spirit. Anoint us. That, that the one who speaks and all those who lis listen, receive from the Holy Spirit. Receive from the Word of God. Not human emotions, not human wisdom, not just 
what we want to say or what we want to listen to, but from you. Guide us, Lord. We give you all the glory. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Amen. Let's give the glory to God. Amen. Well, uh, I'm a Chinese church pastor, okay? So normally I speak Chinese, and, but one of our services, I use two languages. I speak um, both Chinese and English. I translate for myself because I don't like interrupters. Yeah. So, yeah, so, and I, before I became a pastor, I was already a gospel singer. But I sing mostly Chinese songs, Mandarin, and Hokkien songs. So I'll be singing one Hokkien song later. I don't think Pastor Chiu can do that. <laughs> right. So anyway, but because this is an English congregation, I will attempt to sing an English song for you. Yeah. Actually, I wrote this song myself. I wrote it in, in 1985. No, no, no. Sorry. 1990. 1990, the, the year I graduated in New Zealand, and I was coming back to Malaysia, and I wrote it, wrote it as my testimony, and how God guided me through, how God helped me. Yes, yes, I, I, I noticed some people looking around. He graduated in 1990, you know, how old is he, you know? Yeah, I have been a pastor for 28 years, okay? I started when I was five years old, okay? <laughs> Okay, no more nonsense. I like to sing this song. This song is actually the title of my topic for today. I don't need to understand. Amen. Let's give the glory to God. Amen. The autumn wind whispers the end of yet another season the winter sky reminds me for everything there's a reason so many times i've tried to understand our father's wisdom just to find that without his love i'm nothing but a foolish man For all my questions, doubts, and fears Struggles, heartaches, troubles, and tears One by one they've disappeared Like vapor in the air And there is one thing I can say that's carried me through all these years It's been planted in my heart And in my heart to stay It's not in how much I understand But how much I trust His name Not in how much I understand But how much I trust that helps me stand Amen For all my questions, doubts, 
and fears Struggles, heartaches, troubles and tears One by one they've disappeared Like vapor in the air And there is one thing I can say That's carried me through all these years It's been planted in my heart And in my heart to stay It's not in how much I understand But how much I trust His name Not in how much I understand But how much I trust that helps me stand For I don't need to understand Before I can teach my heart to listen Oh, I don't need to comprehend Before I can bring myself into full submission to trust His name Oh, I don't need to understand Before I can teach my heart to listen Oh, I don't need to comprehend Before I can bring myself into full submission to trust His name There is one thing I can say that's carried me through all these years It's been planted in my heart and in my heart to say yeah. I don't need to understand I just need to trust His name Not in how much I understand But how much I trust That helps me stand Amen Amen I base this song upon two of my favorite scriptures in the Bible. These scriptures helped me stand all these years. I believe all of us here, if you're honest with yourself, after becoming a Christian, there will be things, perplexities, confusions, you know, incidents that happen to you that are not what you really want, especially disasters, tragedies, heartbreaks, you know, and troubles. So, I always use these two verses to encourage myself. One of them is from Isaiah 55, verse 8 and 9. I'm sure you all know these verses and we all can almost memorize. Let's look at this verse together. Isaiah 55, verse 8 and 9. God says, For my thoughts are not your thoughts, neither are your ways my, my ways, declares the Lord. As the heavens are higher than the earth, so are my ways than your ways, and my thoughts than your thoughts. 
We all know this. But how much do we believe in this? If we really, really believe in this, you know, we always say, trust God, trust God. We always ask Christians, brothers and sisters, do you trust the Lord? And we say, sure, of course, I trust God. But what do you mean when you say you trust the Lord? You trust God to answer your prayers. You trust God to do what you wish to see. You trust God to work in the ways you expect, you desire. That is called trusting God. Or you trust God to do whatever He wants in your life without questioning, just accepting, just believing that He is wise, He loves you, He is good. So what do you mean when you say you trust God? Because so many times, our faith is being affected. Oh, one moment we are so full of fire, so zealous, and one moment, Pastor, I think I need to take a break for a few months, you know, to work things through, you know. I, I need to understand a few things. I'm going through certain dark pages of my life. I cannot serve. For, why? What happens? Oh, there are things that happen. That's because we don't trust God enough. You know, and another verse that encourages me is from Romans 8, 28. I'm sure you know that too. And we know that in all things, God works for the good of those who love Him, who have been called according to His purpose. In all things, including things that appear to be bad, terrible, things that you don't like, but these things can become something positive, good, or a blessing, provided you continue to love God. Sometimes we say, all things, all, all things work for the good of those, you know, um, who continue to be Christians, but you need to love Him. If you, the condition is you love Him, you don't leave Him, you don't give up, you continue to serve in your toughest moment, you continue to follow him, then you qualify for that special blessing, that promise. All things work for the good of those who love him and who have been called according to his purpose. All my life, there are, there are things that, you know, I don't like. For example, when, yeah, when I was in Form 5, I used to be top in class, you know, from Form 1 to Form 5. Then by the time I reached Form 5, I was kind of disillusioned. I was like, well, it's hard for my family. My parents were poor. I came from a poor family. And my parents had 11 children. Okay. I am number 10. So, so I was thinking, my parents wouldn't be able to afford to give me money to study overseas. And my father basically didn't have enough income to even pay for rental. So my mother, who was not educated, she had to cook and make koi and bachang and kropok, you name it, you know, everything. And she would be, you know, setting store by the roadside, um, outside shops and to sell food, to feed all of us. So I thought, well, 
I would not be able to pursue tertiary education. My result wasn't good enough to get a scholarship in Malaysia. And there was no way we would go overseas. So I'll be thinking, why is my family poor? I see classmates or friends who are not as good as studies, right, in their studies, but they have money. So they can continue to study. They can go overseas and all that. And here, we are top of the class. We cannot continue. So I decided that after Form 5, I'm going to work. I'm going to earn some money, you know, maybe support my parents or whatever. But then I continued to go to Form 6 because I didn't know what to do after Form 5. So I went for a lower 6. Then one day, my sister, my sixth sister, number 6, I have seven older sisters. Can you believe that? Can you believe how much I suffer? <laughs> seven older sisters. One is bad enough. <laughs> yeah. Anyway, and my sixth sister, she, she's only three years older than me. So one day she came to me, she said, hey, did you notice that advertisement in a newspaper from the New Zealand embassy talking about, you know, free education in New Zealand? And hey, why don't you apply? Your result is not bad, you know? Uh, let's see whether... Um, one of our kids from our family is, is able to go st to study overseas. So I said, hey, sister, forget about it. Even if I'm accepted, I'll not be able to study there. Who is going to support? Even if they don't charge you tuition fees, at that time, they, they really don't charge you. They didn't charge you any tuition fees at all. I went there for, ultimately, I went there for seven form, which is equivalent to an upper six. I only paid $25 for an entire year. And it was a study in a New Zealand high school, $25. And for my university education, my final year only cost me more than $300, that's all, one whole year. And some of my friends who studied in New Zealand, I heard that they are here in this church too, hiding somewhere. <laughs> yeah, anyway, so I told my sister, but I cannot afford, and how are we going... How am I going to survive? I got to pay for food, rental, and all this thing, and air ticket as well. And she said, just apply for fun, you know, just to see our standard. At least, if you are accepted, you can choose not to go. And then you can tell people, I'm accepted by New Zealand, but I don't want to go, you know. <laughs> At least there's some faith, some pride. So anyway, I applied. I applied and I forgot about it. And then one day, I received a reply, and it's from the New Zealand High Commissioner. They said, congratulations, you are being accepted to go and study one year in a high school in New Zealand, and after that, you can continue with the university there. Wow, I got so excited. Immediately, I told my seven sisters. And I have two older brothers. My, my, my brothers couldn't be bothered about me anyway. So I told my whole family. And my father's reaction was, why are you not going to Taiwan? <laughs> He's very Chinese. Said, and then my mother didn't understand anything. My mother said, why do you want to go so far to study? And then, then among my siblings, immediately we had two factions. One is pro. One is 
against, you know. Most of them were against the idea. They said, nobody's going to support you. How are you going to survive there, you know? Our family is not that type of family that can go overseas to study, you know. Be real, be real, you know. I don't like, who likes opposition? We don't like them, you know. They were opposing the idea and I didn't like to listen to them. Then there's one group, you know, the die-hard one, the pro one. They said, go, 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 you know. You are the last one, the last chance of our family members, you know. Just go and study. We will support you morally, <laughs> you know. Not financially, you know. They just go. And, you know, I was only 19 years old then. I was 19 years old. I was, of course, I listened to this die-hard one, you know. Yes, go. And, you know, and I thought, actually, they did tell us, you come and study. You are special students. At that time, they offered this kind of, you know, um, privileges to students from Indonesia, Malaysia, Philippines and Thailand, not Singapore. Singapore was already very rich by then. So we, we were able to study there for so-called free. So they said, but you are not allowed to work part-time. You can only work at the end of the year during the summer vacation, the long holidays. But most of us, we would say yes, yes. But when we went there, we would try to look for part-time job, including Yao. You know Yao? Yao Chan Sun, the lawyer here. Yeah, yeah. He, he worked for Tan Sri Chan before. Yeah. He, he was once my flatmate, you know. Um, I'm that old. <laughs> and he's slightly older than me. He's slightly older than me. Anyway, yeah. So he was working part-time in this fish and chips shop and everything. So I, I was thinking that I would do that too. But I was not as um, fortunate as they were. I couldn't find a job. But anyway, before I went, so I thought... How am I going to go over there? I had no money, no support, but my eldest sister, and they wanted us to prove that even though we didn't have to pay expensive, expensive tuition fees, we had to prove that we would not die there without money. So we had to show them that at least um, our financial situation is still quite stable. So my sister, my eldest sister, had a classmate who, who worked as a bank manager. So my sister brought me to, to see the bank manager, the, the friend. And the friend was so happy to see her. He thought we were going to open a new account or something, you know. So he said, yeah, 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 you want to open an account or something? Then my sister said to the manager, we have been all friends. You know, you are in this position to help people. And, and the manager was thinking, he's not even a Christian. And my sister said, I just need you to write a letter for my brother. Just sign, and you're using your position as a bank manager. Just write, simply say, this family has a healthy account with our bank. <laughs> healthy account with, without showing any bank statement or how much we have. Just write that letter, and we'll send it to the New Zealand High Commission. And they believe that letter. We had a healthy account, that's all. So I, I could go. And then, but then I had a problem here. I didn't have money to buy air ticket. So one of my sisters, my fourth sister, she emptied all her savings. Um, she said, my savings is only enough to buy you a one-way ticket. 
go and don't come back. You know, <laughs> anyway, but it sounds like that, right? Only one way ticket. And so they were not strict at all at that time, you know. They didn't even check my bank statement, and I had just one way ticket. And then all the family members, when they, they saw that I really wanted to go, so they donated a bit of money here and there. And finally, I had this bank draft of 1,000 New Zealand dollars. Only 1,000 dollars. I went to New Zealand to study. And upon arrival there, the first week, all these seniors, they, they were helping the new students. They told us, hey, you new students, I'm sure you have brought a lot of money. You know, you have a lot of money with you. We have to bring you to the bank to start the bank account and everything. So we went that first week. We all went to the bank there, sitting there. The bank officers were also excited. You know, at that time in New Zealand, the interest rate for savings account was 10 or 11 percent. Can you believe that? So many of these rich people, rich Malaysians, because New Zealand government thought everyone in, Mal in Malaysia was poor. Actually, there were many rich ones who went there to study too. And they brought a lot of money there to put in the bank just to earn interest and every month all their expenses were covered. They didn't even have to do anything. So they were asking all these new students and most of them were from West Malaysia. And they're like, okay, how much do you want to put in the bank? And someone said, $5,000 and my father is going to send some more next month. I was like, Wow, 5,000. And the father is going to send some more next, next month. And then this one will be 3,000. And next week, my mother will send some more when I have an account. I was like, wow, 3,000. Some more next week. And when it's my turn, what about you? 1,000. Nobody's sending money anymore. <laughs> I was like, immediately, I was thinking, Maybe I should have listened to the opposition. I shouldn't be here. You know, I, I'm not cut out to be an overseas student. But before I went to New Zealand, I did go to church um, because my, my brother-in-law, my sisters, they were church leaders in SIB Kuching. I, I, I went there. I was baptized in SIB, by the way. Yeah. So I, I went there and... I, I didn't enjoy church. I went just because my family members went, because I, my parents put me, I, I was from a small town, but my sisters, they live in Kuching, so my parents asked my sister to take care of me. That's why I suffered under their hands since I was in Form 1. They were so strict. They were so strict. That's why I wanted to break free. That's why when I had the chance to go to New Zealand, I was so happy. Anyway, when I was there, and they just, I, I just had to trust God by that time. And I couldn't work, and I was not good. I, I had problem with my studies at the time because I wasn't a science student. Like, for science students, they did really well there, maths and science and everything. But I was an, an art student. So I went to New Zealand. Who cares about Parameswara, Sotan Mansosa? You know? So I, I couldn't use my sejarah, my history. And, and my geography is all about tin mining and rubber plantation. 
No, so immediately I had problems there, you know, in my seven form. So when I put my money there, when I started my studies, I encountered problems with my studies, and I had problems financially. By three months, I ran out of money. I was very, very thrifty. I looked for a board to stay with a Kiwi family, which only charged me $45 a week. No, $45 a week, but I had to share room with the son. That was the cheapest I could find. And I bought a very, very cheap, I think it's a fourth-hand bicycle, not even second-hand, third or fourth-hand. And it's a 10-speed. By the time I bought it, it's only one speed. <laughs> so I, I spent about $110 on that bike and bought uh, a jacket because it's quite cold. And I use the same jacket for winter, summer, spring, and, you know, and fall. There's just one gray one, the cheapest. Then that's me. I started off. Then, by three months, I ran out of money. I didn't know what to do. So I started questioning all the doubts, you know, all the doubts. God, are you really real? Are you really my father? What am I doing here? What is my family poor? See, that's why I said, there are so many things that I don't understand. You know, why are some people so rich? Why some people don't have to worry about anything? And now, I want to study. And yet, I have all these problems. And I couldn't sleep. I had insomnia. I had problems in my studies. I had financial problems. And then... Actually, my sick sister who encouraged me to come to New Zealand, she was just a bank clerk. She said, just go first, just go first and find a job quickly. But before you find a job, I'm going to send you all my salary. And she was only paid around about a thousand or less a month. She would be sending me money, you know. So after three months, when I ran out of money, my sister, this sister, who, the only one who sent me money, she wrote to me, she said, so have you found a job now? How is your financial situation? Um, and she said, if you have already found a job, I want to study some banking course as well. I want to be promoted to be an officer or something, so I need my money if you are not needing it anymore. Then I feel bad, you know, she's my sister. How could she sacrifice for me? So I wrote back and said, Sister, you have to take care of your own future. Don't worry about me. I will settle my own financial situation. I'll try to find a job. Yeah, you just keep your money. So I thought she, she would be as kind as me. I thought she would write back and say, It's okay, brother. <laughs> if you need the money, I'll still send to you. But she didn't. She replied and said, Okay, I'll keep my money now. I'll go and study a banking course. I'm not sending you money anymore. I said, oh dear, now that's my only source of income. And I cut it off. And then my mother, she wrote to me too. And my mother had high blood pressure. She was not very strong and healthy and she worked so hard. And I, I, I had this fear in New Zealand for, I was there for five and a half years. I, I always prayed to God, don't let my parents die when I was still studying because they were not very young and my, my mother was kind of a lot of sicknesses. So when she wrote to me, 
she said, how are you, son? Do you have anything to eat and everything? Then I would tell her, don't worry about me, mother. Take care of yourself. And I told her too, I have a lot of money here. I told her, I have a lot of money here. Don't worry about me at all. And then she wrote back, she said, I'm so glad to hear that you have a lot of money there, so I don't have to worry about you anymore. And then her final sentence, she said, by the way, your father asked me to tell you, since you have a lot of money there, can you send some home? <laughs> so, so I was like, oh no, oh my goodness, why do I have family members like that, you know? So then I started praying. Before that, I didn't pray I hardly prayed. I only prayed for meals, you know. Thank God for lunch. Thank God for dinner. That's all. Then I started praying. Day and night, I would kneel down. I ran out of money. I said, God, God, I'm running out of money now. God, I heard in church that you are my father, right? And you are the king of kings, right? If you are the king of kings, you are very rich, right? And I'm your son. I'm supposed to be a prince, right? How? Why am I so poor? So I said, God, please give me money. I, I said, I want the money to study and also just to survive. I'm not asking for money to buy luxurious items or to enjoy life, you know. I said, any father will be very happy to have a son who wants to study, who wants to complete his education, so I said, if you are really my father, if you are real, God, please take care of me. Wow, I prayed. I could pray so well at the time. Every day I prayed. But always the same topic. Give me money. Give me money. Give me money. So I asked God for money all the time. And amazingly, you know, I was in New Zealand for five and a half years. And God really provided. And He supplied Every time, just before I ran out of money, someone, you know, someone would be prompted, you know, to, I don't know why, sometimes it's strangers, sometimes I suddenly received a check, or sometimes it's a letter, or something, God would just do something, until I, I didn't have to worry at all, even if I had only $50 or $100 in the bank, and God would really supply. And through that, you know, I got to know God is real and God is really my father and he will supply all my needs. You know, we can continue to blame God. Sometimes you can choose to say, God, you are so unfair. I want to study. I work hard, but my family is poor. Why are you unfair? Why is that guy, you know, why, why is he rich and he's not even as good as me or whatever? We can choose either way. So, the verses I shared with you from Isaiah 55 and Romans 8, 28, these verses taught me, don't ask God why as much. You know, sometimes it's not because God doesn't want to answer you. It is even if He answers, you may not like the answer or you may not comprehend the answer. Because our wisdom is so limited. If you can fully comprehend God, if you can fully understand God, then God is just like you. We are equal. What kind of God is that? I don't want a God like that, that I can understand completely, 
that I can comprehend completely, that means his brain is as big as mine. You know, he's not greater. So I know sometimes God has answers, but I may not be able to appreciate or understand or comprehend or I may not be able to accept it. So I told God, I'm not going to ask you why. I just want you to help me to go through what I am facing right now. You know, I'd like to encourage you, if you are facing some very tough times, challenges, if there are doubts, like what my song said, for all my questions, doubts, and fears, struggles, heartaches, troubles, and tears, all these things are real, very real in my life. I can't tell you all in 45 minutes. That's why I said I'm wondering what I'm going to share with you. But that's my background. And when you are facing challenges like this, remember, God's thoughts and God's ways are always higher than yours. And you must continue to trust Him and love Him. Ask yourself this question. If you call yourself a Christian, do you really believe God is real? So the first question you've got to ask yourself when you are facing challenges and tough situations or perplexities, doubts, ask yourself, is God real? If you decide that He is real, then ask yourself, is He a good God? Do you believe that He is a good God? If He is real, that means His Word is real, right? And His Word says He is a good God who loves you. Then hold on to that. He is God. And He is real. He is good. And He loves you. Even if you don't understand what you are facing now, even when you don't feel it, even when you don't see it, hold on to it. Just trust Him. Is He real? Yes. Is He good? Yes. Does He love you? Yes. Then, trust Him. What you are facing now, you don't like it. It is painful. It is even sometimes stumbling to your faith. But continue to hold on to Him. You know, I was already poor, remember? So, thank God. And yeah, I, I saw just now, um, you have that verse you know, honor the Lord with your wealth, you know. Only rich churches say that. So, <laughs> meaning a lot of you have wealth. What about me? If, I, my if it's like my time in New Zealand, I, I'm, I was poor, so I don't have to honor God anymore. But you know what I believe in? I totally believed in tithing, tithes and offerings. In my poorest moments in New Zealand, I would go to a church and they would always talk about, you know, tithe and every time when, every Sunday when they were collecting offering. You know what I did? Every Sunday, I would give one dollar. Every Sunday, one dollar. And one month, that's four dollars. You might think, so stingy. But I tell you, I didn't even spend 10 cents sometimes in a week on myself. And I would give $1 to God. And I thought I was giving a lot. 
until one day, because the pastor would always say, you know, tithe and give to the Lord 10%. And I would always say, that doesn't apply to me. That doesn't apply to me. I have no income. I have no money. I have no spare money to give. I give, already give the most I could. Then one day I asked God. So better don't ask God questions sometimes. <laughs> so I asked God, I said, that this tithe, tithing thing doesn't apply to me, right? I said, I don't need to give 10%, right? And I said, if I have to give 10%, how should I give my 10%? On which amount should I base my 10% on? And, and I felt God's telling me, because I told God I, I don't have income at all. I don't have salary. Nobody sends me money. I live by faith. And then God said, how much do you spend every month to survive? Your food, your rental, and everything. And I was a very thrifty person. I said, about 250 a month, not more than that. Well, don't you love sons like that? You know, so thrifty, you know. I said, 250. And then I felt God saying, 10% of that. I said, what? That's killing me. I said, even $4 is too much for me. If I were to give $25 every month, it is like committing suicide. So, but that conviction was so strong. I had to give at least $25 a month. So I gave. I, I didn't wait till end of the month. I would always give without calculating all my expenses, all I had to pay. I would always set aside. It became my habit since I was 19 years old. I would always set aside money at the beginning of the month and I would not touch that amount. Then I would just give and give. And then God really took care of me amazingly. Then I never ran out of money. I, I always had food to eat. And then when I went to, I entered university. After one year, we moved out. We started staying with friends. And then I still had that old bicycle, remember? My only form of transport. Then one day, when I was about to go to school, go to university, I woke up. There were a lot of students there with very, very good and expensive bicycles. Mine was the cheapest and the lousiest. And when I went to look for my bicycle, my bicycle was gone. And because I was so poor, I bought this chain, there was that, that lock, that was the thinnest. So it was cut off. It was on the ground. Someone cut off my, my lock and took my bicycle away. So I was like, oh God, why? At the time, I still asked a lot of why, you know. Why, Lord? Look at all these beautiful bicycles. Just ask the thief to steal theirs. They can buy another one. You know, they are rich. I cannot afford another one. So I was like, God, are you blind or whatever? You're, you're not taking care of me. You're not protecting me. I was like, God, why me? Why me? I can't, what am I going to do now? I can't even go to school now. So I said, why me? Then I called one of my church leaders. He's also Malaysian. He's an engineer. And he, he was already married, I think. Yeah, he's married. He's working there something. I, uh, I'm, maybe he was not married yet. I'm not sure. Anyway, I called him because he's got a car. I asked him, could you send me to university? Um, he said, why? I said, 
my bicycle apparently was stolen by a stupid thief that wouldn't choose the good ones, but stole the lousiest bike. So he said, okay, I'll send you. And his, his house was quite near to the university. So he dropped me. And then he said, well, after your class, just walk to my house again later on. And I thought he was going to send me home again. I said, okay, I'll go to your house in the evening. So after he sent me to the university and after class, I went to his house again. Then he said, okay, um, use that bike to cycle home. I thought he was going to uh, drive me home. Because recently, he just bought a new bicycle, a brand new one, a very expensive one. But I don't know why it's pink in color. <laughs> yeah. yeah, he bought this pink sports bike. Yeah, so he said, use this bicycle to cycle home, you know, and you can use that for school now. I was like, so when do you need it? When do I return it to you? Then he said, no, just use it as long as you like. I said, then you, are you not using it? No, 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 I've got a car. I don't need it. Then how much do I pay you? And can I pay you by installment? You know? And he said, no, no, no. Let it be a gift to you. I'll give it to you. Wow. The only problem is it's pink. But, <laughs> but anyway... I was so happy. It's a brand new bike, you know. So remember in the morning when my bicycle was stolen, I was like, God, why me? I'm the poorest. But in the evening, when I cycled home, Lord, of course it's me. <laughs> you know, of course it's me, you know. So, you know, but I thank God. Actually, God, he, he, he saw that, you know, despite your poverty, despite your struggle and your trouble, you continue to trust His Word. You continue to love Him. You continue to serve Him. You continue to give in the midst of your poverty. So He wanted to re reward you. But He had to take away that lousy bicycle first, right? So Chinese say, if you don't get rid of the old ones, the new ones will not come. You've got to let go. Open your hand first, right? Then God can put something in. So I thank God, you know, I don't need to understand. I just need to trust His name. What is His name? Good, good Father. He is my good, good Father. But I didn't learn the lesson. And then at the end of the year, I got a job. Actually, Yao was also working there before in a wool factory. Um, I had to cycle. Uh, by the way, you know, Yao, um, I stayed with him for a few months. Then he graduated. He came home first. And Yao was very kind. He had a motorcycle. Not a very nice one, but quite nice. <laughs> An old motorcycle. And he knew my, my trouble. He actually gave me his motorcycle, you know. I sold it. Because I can't afford the petrol and I needed the money. So he didn't know that. But until many years later, he, we met in KL. He said, hey, remember I give you the motorbike? I said, you did? He said, yes, I gave. I said, oh, I must have sold it. <laughs> you know, yeah, that's how poor I was. Anyway, we worked in that factory. I cycled there 10 kilometers I cycled there in the morning. Start, we started work at 7 o'clock and start, cycled home and all that. 
And remember, I only had one jacket. Winter, summer, spring, and autumn, the same jacket, a grey one, because I had a very grey life, you know. <laughs> so, <laughs> very sad life. So, I only had that one. It only cost me about $59. They called it a Parker in New Zealand. So, we, there were so many workers in that factory, and we had this washroom with all the cabinets to put all the jackets. And one day after work, guess what? The stupid thief came again. I don't know. I, I, I tell you, till this day, I don't understand. Now, if you talk about bicycles, maybe I could still understand a bit because they had big locks, you know, big chains and everything. But the jackets and everything, they were all in the same cabinet. You know, only one was missing. One was missing. Mine. Why? So, of course, I told God, why me? So, I told God, why me again? You know what? And I had to cycle home just in, with my T-shirt, with no jacket. And so, of course, people knew I, I didn't have any jacket anymore. So, I went, why me again? What am I going to do? You know? But I tell you, within one week, I received four jackets. <laughs> And Yao gave me one too, you know? Uh, Yao gave me one, brown one, and uh, someone gave me a blue one. Could be one of the sisters here. And another friend gave me uh, another color one. I had four jackets, so I could use different colors, you know? <laughs> then I could use this one for work, this one for church, and this one for university. Let's give the glory to God, you know? So... When my winter jacket was stolen, I said, God, why me? But when I received four, of course, it's me. You know, that's how we are like. But that's why I, I had so many of these experiences. That's why I'm not so bothered about financial problems. And I, I'm not saying that you'd be a spendthrift, you know, you don't save or whatever. If you are serious and you... you live an honest life, you work hard, and sometimes life is tough, and you still serve God, you still bless others, you still give. I believe one day, God will really, God will really, when it's time to change something, when it's time for God to upgrade or whatever. So I've experienced this all the time, so many miracles, and there, there was once I needed $300. So imagine, I didn't even have $300 to pay for some bills and to buy some textbooks. And I didn't even have $300. So I was at home alone in the flat, praying, God, God, I need the $300 to pay for power bills, to pay for my textbook, and I need $300. And after a while, someone knocked on the door. I went to open. There's another sister, a Malaysian sister, to, to, she's an accountant. And she had never come to our flat. And I opened the door. I said, yeah, who are you looking for? She said, with trembling voice, like, you know, uh, I, I've come to look for you. I said, why? Um, I don't know why, she said. I was having my quiet time just now reading the Bible. But my heart started pumping very fast. And I felt God saying, go and give Gitiong $300. 300, I was like, 
Wow, I was praying for 300, should have prayed for 3,000. So uh, I, I was about, you know, so Lord, give me 300. And suddenly she knocked on the door and said, yeah, here, um, that's $300 for you. I felt that God just wanted me to, I, I don't understand why. I, I, she said, I don't know why, but don't laugh at me. I just had to obey. And she said, that's your 300. Then, you know, being Chinese, you know, buyala, buyala. Cannot, cannot. How can I take your money? You're very, you know, Chinese are very, I tell you all this keki spirit. <laughs> or, or, or you know, trying to turn down the money. I said, oh, no, no, no. You know, uh, she said, take it. I said, no, take it. No. Then she said, if you don't take it, I'll have no peace. <laughs> then being so kind, <laughs> I needed to give her peace. <laughs> so I took the money. Yeah. Peace be with you, sister. <laughs> so, you know, I mean, God is so amazing, right? We, we are not even perfect. We want money and God supplies and yet you say you don't want. Or when God wants to give you a new bicycle and you still get angry with God. And, you know, God wants to give you new jackets and you get angry with God. And yet, He continues to give. Isn't it so much like a real father? Yeah. At home, we get angry with our parents, we are rude, we are lazy, we don't, and yet we get everything. We just take it for granted. And I remember, remember when I started praying, when I knelt down, the first time I prayed was, Are you really a father? Are you really a father? He is. Let's give glory to God. Yeah. So that's how God really provided for me. There's so many of these kind of stories and you know, some people said it's just co coincidence, you know. Or it's not God, it's not a miracle, it's human who gave you this and that. But if it happens every time when you have a need, if it happens all the time for all the five and a half years you are there, if it's one time, maybe, you know, coincidence, two times, three times, but so many times, then you know it is God. It is God. Well, so in the end, I thank God that I came from a poor background, you know. I thank God that my parents or my older brothers and sisters couldn't afford to support me. If they were able to support me, I would never have known how real the love of our Father God is. I would never know our God is so true. That's why I came back. I graduated as a lawyer. I came back and I didn't practice as a lawyer. First two years, I became a school teacher. I wanted young people who, who thought they had poor background. They didn't want to study seriously because they thought they had no future anyway. I wanted them to know you still have God. You say, God, because I experienced that. Because some people said, oh, if you want to be a pastor, why did you go to New Zealand to study law? As if they are God's assistant, <laughs> you know. Of course, if I never went there, I would never have known God is so real. You know, whatever I studied is irrelevant. The most important thing is I got to know God. In that situation, you know, no matter what you do, trust God. That's why when we say we trust God, it's not 
God, I trust you. When I pray, you listen to my prayer. You do what I ask. You, know, you answer all my... No, trust God in any situation. Trust God to do and to make the decision even if it's very uncomfortable. Even if you feel, why me? Just trust Him. And, well, tomorrow I have two more services. I'm, I don't know whether I'm, I'm going to share the same testimony. Sometimes I do, sometimes I don't. But I still have other things. I haven't even started on how I became a pastor, you know. How, no, I wanted just to help this church for six months while they were looking for a pastor. But I got stuck <laughs> for 28 years. You know, six months, supposed to be six months, but it came, became 28 years. Anyway, that's another story. But all my life, as a spread at God, I will always remember not to ask you why or not to demand an answer, but God helped me to go through whatever situation that I don't feel comfortable with, that I find very hard to accept or understand. God, I trust that you are real, you are good, and you love me. And you are a wise, wise God. Amen. I'll, I'll end this song, end with this song. Yeah, this is also one thing that I don't understand. When I went back to be a pastor, for the first two months, I was very happy. Everybody was happy. But a group of elderly people started saying they were going to leave the church because there is this rule in my church that every Sunday that the previous pastor started that law in my church. It's not even in, in the Bible. But he started that law anyway. That law was, you must sing one Hokkien song. <laughs> every Sunday service. And I am a Hokkien, but you know our Hokkien. Our Hokkien are Batu, Bintang, or all the Malay words or the English words would come out. So they were, I, I didn't know how to sing Taiwanese Hokkien songs. So when I heard that there was going to be an exodus of all people, you know, leaving the church because I never sang any Hokkien song in any service. They said, this new and young pastor is so arrogant. He doesn't love the old people at all, you know. So we are going to search for another church. So, you know, my reaction, God, see, when I serve you, I'm being persecuted. This is the cross I have to bear. I, I understand how you feel, Jesus. You know, you know, now I'm persecuted after two months, you know. Over one Hokkien song. Give me a break. What kind of Christian is that? You leave the church just because you don't get one Hokkien song? So I don't understand. So I still feel that, you know, I'm sacrificing so much. And then God said, you are being selfish. I said, what? Excuse me, is this God? You know? <laughs> he said, you are being selfish because all these old people, you know, they could sit through your two-hour sermon. See? Emphasize, two-hour sermon. <laughs> what church only give time for 45 minutes? <laughs> <laughs> oh, sorry, sorry. <laughs> it's just accidental. No. And anyway, and... 
God said they could endure and suffer through your two, sometimes it's even more than two hours, and they didn't even understand you, you know? And they came to church faithfully. They served, they gave. They were only begging for one Hokkien song so that they can get in touch with God. They can feel the presence of God. What kind of a pastor wouldn't even give them five minutes of Hokkien song, you know? So I told God, but I don't sing, I don't sing Hokkien song. I don't like Hokkien songs. And God said, I gave you the gift to write songs, right? You can write. And I said, you want me to write Hokkien songs? That is below my standard. You know, you know Hokkien song, you know. It's always no way, you know. I, I, I cannot, you know, I cannot force myself to do that. And God said, don't be so square. He is a creator, right? Who says Hokkien songs must be like that? So, you know, I said, okay, so I'm being selfish. You want me to write Hokkien song, then you have to help me. And amazingly, you know, after work that day, I drove home. And it's less than 15 minutes to go home. And God gave me a new Hokkien song immediately, you know. You know, imagine these old people, they were saying, our new pastor, young and arrogant, and he doesn't love us. One week later, I sang a new Hokkien song. They all say, this young pastor is so humble, <laughs> so kind, so loving. I mean, so you cannot trust human beings. <laughs> they change all the time. <laughs> they follow the tide. But anyway, it's amazing, you know. Before, before that, I was already a, a gospel singer. I had already released four Mandarin albums and nobody noticed me until I wrote Hokkien songs. <laughs> and I have released 23 albums. My best-selling album is... <laughs> yeah! So, I don't need to understand. Just trust his name. Well, after a few months, and one day I ran out of Hokkien songs, so I told all people, I said, I don't have Hokkien songs anymore, so you guys better pray. And I believe they did. And then one night, in the middle of the night, before I went to bed, I picked up my guitar, and in about 15 minutes, I wrote this song. This has been my um, signature song, the song that I sing everywhere. You know, I go... I wrote this song in 1996, but a few years ago, I think it's 2017 or 2016, I can't remember, five or six years ago, the Taiwanese TV station, not a Christian station, with this very long 400 episodes of series, that kind of station, then they, they were producing this new Taiwanese series, and they used this song as a theme song. Yeah, let's give glory to God. So I'd like to share with you now this Hokkien song called Hold My Hand Kangwaichu. Monitor slightly higher. This song is like a funeral anthem. 
in Singapore, true. But you can sing it in weddings as well. Can May we be faithful on this journey till the end. That when we see God face to face, He'll say, Welcome home, my child. Amen. Can 
我的手，请你甲我作伴，予我阿婆又温又疼。Amen. Let's give the glory to God. All the glory. Amen. Before we end, do we have any new friends? You have never prayed to ask God to be your father, or maybe you have been to church and you don't realize that God is so real, and His name is your good, good Father. Sometimes we always think God as that holy judge, the Lord of Lords, the Creator of the universe, but we don't realize that He's also our loving Father. So if You feel that you are very distant from God, or you don't even know whether you have a relationship with God, or you might be new. You've been to church a few times. You have never asked Jesus to forgive your sins or acknowledge God as your Father. I'd like to invite you to stand. I'd like to pray for you to bless you. Don't be shy. If do you have anyone, or you want to renew your relationship with God, let Him be your good, good Father. Do you have anyone here? A new friends. You want to say, Jesus, I want you to hold my hand to guide me through life. Anyone here? If you have, if we have anyone here, you may rise. I'd like to pray for you to bless you. It is a the wisest decision you can ever make. It's the greatest blessing ever. See, a poor boy from a big family, from somewhere unknown, and God came to me, and today. I can serve him, and I can help many people. Let's encourage them. Any more? Any more new friends? Don't be shy. Don't be shy. God will see, and today become a child of God. Today, any more? Have praise the Lord. Praise the Lord. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Praise the Lord. You know, it's just a simple prayer. When I prayed, you know, that time in 1985 when I went to New Zealand, you know, God. Are you real? Are you really my father? As being said in the Bible, will you take care of my life? And he did, and he is still taking care of my life, and he's still holding my hand. Anymore, let Jesus hold your hand today. Don't be shy. Just stand and receive the Lord. Amen. Amen. Hallelujah. I invite everyone to stand together. Everyone, stand together. Yeah, we have some more. Yeah, let's raise our hands. Let's raise our hands. And even if you didn't stand earlier, just pray together. Just open your mouth and to pray after me. Just follow me and say, "Dear Father God, I thank you for your love. There are many things I don't understand, but today I know you are real. You are good, and you are my loving Father. So I hand over my life into your hands." I pray for the blood of Jesus to forgive my sins, to cleanse me. I invite you into my life. Be my Lord, my Savior, my Father, forever and ever. Give me the faith to follow you till I see you face to face, and one day to hear you say. Welcome home, my child. Thank you, Father. In the name of Jesus, I break off my relationship with the devil 
with my past, with all the curses and bondages. I'm a new creation now. I'm a child of God. I belong to Jesus. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen. 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 Hallelujah. Praise the Lord.